Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you have. And I want to talk about something that is a deadly topic. It's about what happens when we're not here anymore. Something that for many of us is a very uncomfortable conversation. And so we avoid it, we um, ignore it, and all the rest, to the detriment of the loved ones who are grieving that we leave behind. I'm very much a believer that we have a responsibility to those we love to make sure they know what our wishes are, what arrangements we want, and all the rest. And I'll get questions about that and far, far more this year as people have been worried about their mortality in a pandemic. So I've talked about writing up your wishes and having them there and making sure that loved ones know and do not put anything like that in a safety deposit box and don't be silent about you having done it because you want to make sure that they know where to find your desires and my wife is very uncomfortable talking about my death um for some reason talking about life and death just doesn't phase me at all and i talk about it like hey you know what flavor ice cream do you want and it just drives her crazy but we've had uh clear conversations about what each of us want at the time of our death i'm older so odds are i go first so more of the conversation has been about that but most people will not have those conversations so i really like that there are free resources you can use online the two that have been more prominent of late are cake and lantern and these sites allow you to think through what are the things that someone's going to have to make decisions about at the time you die and they use very different approaches i joined cake which the website is joincake.com like eating cake you know c-a-k-e and with it you start off by telling it what you want at the time you die in terms of a funeral or memorial service or whatever and it goes anywhere from it's much more lighthearted, i find than lantern you know having uh celebration versus having a time of solemn reflection having a religious service having a non-religious service having it like i want mine outdoors weather permitting and i want it to be a joyous occasion where people tell stories about me so uh no warning to both of you kim and joel kim you go first because you've known me for 23 years what is the story that you would tell at a gathering celebrating my life dude are you for real yeah most people get to meditate on stuff like that for a couple of days before they do it that's why i hit you cold like what's the funniest thing because remember (laughs) this is supposed to be joyous funny what's the oddest thing you can think of just right off the top of your head 
Oh my gosh, Clark, you're the worst. I um, know. I think that's probably what I would end up saying is describing this story right now. <laughs> Or possibly explaining to people that you have a robot-like memory, but at the same time, you are indeed a self-admitted flake. And the way those two mix together, I've never met anybody else like you. You can spout facts from 20 years ago and not remember what we told you the length of a segment is five seconds later. It's, it's kind of phenomenal. It is. I am a sum of contradictions. That's the term. <laughs> How about you, Joel? You got an extra 30 seconds. Yeah, I know. I did have a second to think about that. So thanks for putting Kim on the spot first. Uh, I would say... Because we've only known each other, what, 15 years? Yeah, it's not really been that long. Yeah. At least in comparison. I I think I would talk about the time where we took a short two-day trip to Phoenix and we ended up eating out an In-N-Out burger five times. Um, You you have like a a mild obsession with In-N-Out burger. So that would probably be be my uh, funny story to share. Well, we had lunch when we landed and then uh, four more meals there all in like 48 hours. Yeah, it would seem physically impossible, but we managed to make it happen. Well, In-N-Out Burger is just really special. And um, my daughter drives my old car and I had an In-N-Out sticker on the car and she took the sticker off the car. (laughs) I'm heartbroken. That's like treasonous. It is. It is. So, you know, you think about what just came off the top of your heads and think about how um if your if your mentality is like mine how fun it is to have people uh say things that were very personal to you but like clear that well that clark was not bird and here are some examples of it and it makes people laugh it makes them at a time that they might be filled with sadness gives them joy so that's my thing so uh the idea of of these these things like uh, cake and lantern, and you see, register with them. Hopefully, their security is solid. Um, I checked the whole thing about sharing personally identifiable information, personally identifiable information, and they seem okay with that. Although that all goes out the window if either of them go bankrupt. But anyway, I was able to lay out exactly what. I wanted for that. And then all the other uh, things involved at time of death. And you email them to key people to give them access to your information. As you revise it, they get updates and all the rest. And it's really, uh, let's go back to money. It makes a huge financial difference as well. When you have thought this stuff through, planned it out, made sure that people know where key information is. And I've talked in the past about if you know exactly what you want to have at the time of your death, that you plan out that, not prepay, but pre-plan what you'd like to have and make sure these key people know. And all these sites do is they automate the process for you so that something you put off actually gets done and the key people who need to know it, know it. So, uh, Joel, have you ever on your own gone to In-N-Out Burger other than when you've been with me? I have, just not that frequently. I don't get up to the West Coast enough. But if I go out there and I'm out there for a week, I'll hit up In-N-Out Burger once, maybe twice, but not five times in two days. 
Well, it's time for your questions that you posted at Clark.com slash ask. And producer Kim, who do you have a question from? No, I'm still mad at you. <laughs> I'm well, just you kidding. Did fine. Okay, good. What's right. wrong with that? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Okay. But like, of course, turn off my mic and a hundred more funnier stories come to oh, mind. Then, then so give us one. you're the worst. No, because I was just lying. First question up <laughs> is from John, Johnson, California, and John says, "If I apply for credit while my credit is frozen." Will it still put a hard inquiry on my credit report? For example, if I apply for a credit card and I forget to unfreeze my credit and then I apply again after I unfreeze it, do I end up with two hard hits? That is a wonderful question. The answer is no. The whole idea is it's like you put a safety shield around your credit identity when you do a credit freeze. And so that inquiry essentially never happened. The credit card company attempted to access your credit. They could not. They then send you the reject letter saying they weren't able to establish your credit worthiness. Then you thaw your credit, and that's when the actual real application hit occurs. So I wouldn't worry at all about that. You're A-OK. Joel? Clark Ken in Georgia says, we just paid off our mortgage and our credit score dropped 90 points. It went from excellent to fair. What the heck happened? All of our other credit history is excellent with no late payments, everything up to date. I would have thought that my score would have gone up. Well, so going down 90 points makes no sense to me at all. So as you probably have heard me explain in the past, I carry no ongoing debt, no Uh, mortgage, no car payments, no home equity lines or loans, nothing. I do have credit cards that I use as a payment system. And so my credit score is, it varies, but generally it's about 815 or so, right in that range. And I'm able to have a really solid credit standing without having the variety of loans that lenders supposedly prefer. So dropping 90 points, the only possible explanation I could think of is that you don't have enough other credit, that you don't have, uh, for example, you know, my Noah's Ark rule, I want you to have a minimum two major credit cards, uh, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, from more than one issuer. So it's not you're not getting it done if you get two cards from Chase or two from Citi or two from American Express. You want... Uh, one card from one issuer, one card from another, and two is generally enough for you to have enough credit activity going on, and that 90-point drop is completely bizarre to me. If you haven't done so yet, set up Credit Karma, monitor what's going on with your credit scores, and Credit Karma will also make suggestions to you how to raise that score back up. Kim? Mita in California says, my social security number has been compromised. Oh, I'm sorry. No. So what are the steps that I take now? Well, it's funny. We're going back two questions ago to credit freeze. The number one step you can do is set up a credit freeze. But before you do that, there's like a step 0.1 and 0.2 before you freeze your credit with the three bureaus. And that is set up a My Social Security account. MySocialSecurity.gov. It's a free process. Go to uh, the Social Security website. You'll see how to do it. And it will protect 
you from a hacker getting into your social security benefits or being in the system pretending to be you. The second thing is set up the Credit Karma account. And with that, you'll be able to continually monitor your credit from two of the three credit bureaus for free. You'll know what's going on with your reports. You'll know what's going on with your scores. Then you freeze your credit with all three credit bureaus. The credit freeze process prevents a crook from being able to pretend to be you and apply for credit as if they are you. And those are the initial steps. If you want to know more, if you have an unusual identity theft situation, go to the website of the Identity Theft Resource Center, which does the nation's best job of providing information to people who've been victims of various types of identity theft. Joel? Clark Linda in Connecticut says, recently you talked about UMA. Have you heard of Magic Jack? And what's your opinion of that? Yeah, I love Magic Jack, and I use Magic Jack over the years. UMA is a more robust home phone solution. Magic Jack is a more flexible product in that it can go with you virtually anywhere. Ryan's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Clark. How are you doing today, sir? Great, thank you. So you are a Mac saver. I try to be. I'm pretty conscious about dropping the max in my Roth IRA every year. And I usually do it, um, I think you've talked about this in the past, earlier on in the year so that I have the entire year to earn money in the market. And I'm prepared to do that again this year, even though it's halfway through the year this time around. But I've been ended up luckier than I expected to be with salary. And I started a side business this year that's producing additional income. And my question is, at this point, there's a 50-50 chance that I end up being above that income threshold of, of 137000 It's 139 for this year, but, oh, 39. but it's Perfect. adjusted gross income. So you know how you have deductions before you hit adjusted gross income? Yes, sir. So you'd have to be a fair amount above it before you'd have to... Uh, before you'd be above the 139. If you were to take the best guess, the top end of what you'd earn in 2020, good problem to have, what do you think it would be? I'm hoping 150-ish. Okay. If you were to hit 150-ish, you might be okay. You'd be close. If it were me, what would I do? So what you could do is you could wait till the end of the year, see where you really ended up, and then make the contribution all at once at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a long-term advantage contributing early in the year, but if Mm -hmm. that's not going to be practical then that would be my answer for it. Absolutely. I can definitely do that. And I know you had talked in the past about the backdoor Roth and all that, and that was my plan. If I do go over, uh, my only worry is that next year I'm not going to be up at that. So I'm going to just go back to contributing normally, and I'm going to have a few hundred to thousand dollars sitting in a regular IRA. But I guess that doesn't matter at the end of the day. Wait, 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 wait. Why am I being so stupid? Okay, 
<laughs> so let's think this through. You yeah. <laughs> can do your, I, I don't know, it's just like my brain froze. So don't do anything this calendar year. You okay. Once you start your tax prep in 21, 420, you'll mm-hmm. know exactly what your AGI is. And then okay. you'll know, hey, I can contribute last year's money because as long as you contribute before you file, you're good. Because remember, I'll ask you which year are you contributing for. That would be the smart mm-hmm. way to do it. Okay, perfect. And then you could do the backdoor Roth if that became the way you could get that money into an account. Perfect. So, sorry my brain froze for a minute. Oh, I had to no do a worries. reboot on it. <laughs> Perfect. I appreciate the advice, and I enjoy listening to you. Thank you so much for having me on. Certainly, and you have a great day. Thank you. You too. I hope you and your family stay safe out there. You too. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com, and a result of the pandemic, has been people have become more interested in paying for auto insurance in different ways than they historically have paid. And there are, in a small number of states, companies that offer you the ability to pay by the mile, that almost like a taxi meter, uh, remember those things you used to get in them, many cities they were yellow, and they'd have this thing they popped down, and then every mile you went, you paid money. Can you believe that? My children have never been in a taxi. Anyway, the the idea of paying auto insurance by the mile became very appealing when people started parking their cars. And there was a new expression, how many days per gallon? Because people were doing so little driving. And then we talked about how Rats were getting in people's engines and other rodents and eating away at things as vehicles were sitting so long. So that suddenly made by the mile seem a whole lot better since the discounts that auto insurers were giving for the massive drop in the amount of driving was somewhere like 15% or 10% of a monthly premium. It also made people think again about something that progressive insurance started as an experiment roughly 15 years ago, and that's letting them spy on how you drive. And now uh, a bunch of auto insurers have their own proprietary systems where you, if you let them track how you drive, your premiums go up or down for your insurance based on how you actually perform behind the wheel. And depending on how sophisticated the systems are, they may even be able to know based on time of day how accident prone a particular car that you're driving through is. Or uh, all of them track how you accelerate and how you brake. They know that people who are quick off the mark and who brake very strongly at the last minute are far more likely to be in accidents than people who are kind of like turtles behind the wheel, who start off slowly, who leave plenty of distance with the vehicle in front of them, and then brake gradually as they're coming to a stop. 
and that those behaviors lead to a much lower number of accidents. And a lot of us, uh, the funny thing about driving, okay, you know this is true. Everybody thinks that everybody else is a terrible driver. And most people think that they're a much better than average driver. Well, we can't all be much better than average, right? So in driving, I've noticed that as vehicles have more horsepower, people's driving has really deteriorated. So the idea of taking those two concepts and putting them together, I think is really going to be important in the future if you're willing to give up your privacy. And to this point, after 15 years since this idea has been introduced, we're still at somewhere right around maybe 20% of people who are willing to allow the spy devices into their vehicles. But the advantage, if you actually pay attention and modify your behavior, is that you can end up with significantly lower premiums for vehicle insurance. If you combine that, and hopefully companies will start doing this, with you paying based on how many miles you drive, calculated in with how you drive, that we will have much, much, much more control over what we pay for vehicle insurance. And again, it's your choice. I have never done this. I've never had one of these technologies on my car. But my vehicle, if I'm in an accident, is the data on my vehicle is subject to being subpoenaed if somebody thinks I'm at fault in an accident. And the reason is I have a Tesla and every single second you're in a Tesla, the data is being captured by Tesla. And so what they know about my driving would probably find that I'm not as good a driver as I think I am. But the idea of paying based on your behavior and how many miles you're driving, to me, is a potentially smart thing for you to do if you are that kind of cautious person. Or as an alternative till the two are combined, if you drive very few miles in a year, look for one of the auto insurers that does, in fact, charge by the mile. It's time for your questions you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Who's up? It's me, and this is from Sterling in Georgia. Sterling says, this is a social security question. I know people should wait until 70 years old to take social security if they are able to. My question is, if you stop working before that age, how does the wage formula work considering the idle years when you're not working? I've heard in the past that they use your top 30 to 35 years of income, but I'm still confused on the topic. Yeah, that, I mean, you have it right. So, People, that accounts for people who gradually go into retirement because you think how many people the last few years of their working life will reduce the number of hours worked. I think about my father-in-law who went from five days a week of work to two years of three days a week of work to two years of two days a week of work 
and then retired. So if those last four years had been in his calculation, it would have affected severely his Social Security earnings the rest of his life. So you can taper down or even uh, quit working and not hurt yourself for Social Security because of taking your highest 35 years. And so uh, I would not worry about that, about waiting till 70. Anybody who's in a position financially to wait to age 70 is better off doing so, even if, you know, I get all the people saying, well, what if I die the next day and I didn't take any of that money? That's a risk with any kind of insurance product, essentially, that it's designed that if you die early, you lose. If you die really late, you win. But the big advantage of waiting to age 70 is your initial Social Security check is so much higher than it is taking at an earlier age. And your increases over the years from cost of living adjustments are based on that higher level you started at. Joel? Clark Joanne in Georgia says, I often receive unsolicited emails from companies in which I have no interest. When I touch the unsubscribe button, though, it takes me to a page where I'm told to enter my email in order to unsubscribe. I don't want to enter my email. Is this a scam? How can I get off their contact list? (laughs) Oh, great question. So a lot of databases are sophisticated enough that you don't have to enter your email address in order to delete them. If it's a mainstream legitimate company that is spamming you and you want them to stop, it's okay to enter your email address to get them to leave you alone. But I'd say most of the time now, the databases know when you click on unsubscribe and they take you to the unsubscribe page, they already know your email address. If somebody's asking for it, then think through who it is you'd be giving it to. If there's any chance the people who've been spamming you are what may be a scam, don't give that email because they may just be using one of those programs to spam hundreds of millions of email addresses and just send everybody those things. And giving your email address in that case would hurt you. So if it is like, let's say it's a, a major clothing retailer that keeps bothering you and you don't want them bothering you, you know they're legit and giving them your email address would be A-OK in that case. Kim? Veronica in Florida says, Hi, Clark. I have been looking at Curve, an app which says they combine multiple debit and credit cards into one account that you then access through their app. Right now, there's a waiting list to join, and I wanted to know if you were familiar with it and if you would recommend it or if I should avoid it. So this idea is not a new one. The idea of not having to carry around all your cards potentially and having one place that you store all your card numbers. And the last big effort, I'm trying to remember what that one was called that we got so many questions about. Uh, But anyway, the last one uh, went away. It failed. There was another one that I did a report on at CES that was one that stored your, your cards electronically and they came up with your fingerprint and then you picked which of your cards you were using and you used that one card for everything so you didn't have to carry anything else if you had like 
cards. Uh, like for me, I've got business and personal. So I have a number of credit cards. Being able to carry just one would be hyper convenient. Well, that thing that I saw at CES, as best I know, has never made it in the marketplace. So now we have Curve, and who knows how it will end up doing. The biggest risk to you is how secure their system is. But somebody's going to make this work with a single piece of plastic or app that you are able to store everything. If you think about what Apple Pay and Google Pay have been able to do, that's really a kind of similar idea to Curve. Joel? Clark Brandon in Texas says, what uh, is your favorite electric minivan? Well, the only electric minivan that is not truly electric, it's a plug-in hybrid, the Toyota Sienna is only going to come in that format now as a hybrid, and I don't know how soon the plug-in will be offered, but the advantage of it is you're going to have average fuel economy in a minivan that's going to be 30-some-odd miles per gallon, which is a real leap forward. The minivan segment will trail in being fully electric because so few people are interested today in driving minivans, which is a shame because they're the most efficient in terms of space and flexibility of all passenger vehicles. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jorge joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jorge. How are you today? I'm doing great, Clark. Thank you for taking my call. It is my pleasure. You want to throw a wrinkle at me on the whole timeshare thing, don't you? Yes, it's kind of sort of like that. I mean, even though they're not coming across as a timeshare, um, basically what we're looking at, my wife and I are looking at, is a part ownership of a beach house. And basically what they do is they take, it's usually a duplex. So there's 10 owners per half of the house. And each one will take at least five weeks of vacation time a year. Um, and it's all done under under a um, LLC. And I just want to kind of throw and pick your brain on what are the ups and downs on this? So there's a big upside. And okay. let's start with that. And that is, uh, this is not like a traditional timeshare. You've got a much smaller number of owners. You have much lower administrative costs with uh, 20 owners of basically 100 weeks instead of 50 owners of, you know, single weeks. So you end up in a, um, a much 
better position than timeshares and you're not likely to to even if you owned a place a hundred percent you're not likely to be able to go there 52 weeks a year so five weeks works out really well for a lot of people and that's why this is a popular idea for more wealthy individuals you know people who are wealthy enough to to own part of a, a in your case duplex um without having to pay the whole thing and not being stuck in the albatross of a timeshare the thing about it is your costs are much lower like what would you buy your five weeks for your tenth? so so for example this one that we're looking at um starts off about eighty thousand, and it can go all the way up to one hundred and twenty-five thousand. All right. So based on the the popularity of a week, the prime nature of a week. Um, and that, that's that's the other thing too that we're not allowed to rent. Well, we I'm not an owner yet, but they're not allowed to rent them out. Right. Or lease them out. So. All right. So um, what happens in the contract if with ten uh, people involved, actually twenty people involved, mm-hmm. at some point there are going to be people who default. They're going to have uh, financial hardship. Somebody's going to go through a divorce, whatever, and they're going to they're going to bail on it. And they're not going to meet their obligations. What happens okay. to the rest of you? Do you have to pick up the share of somebody who defaults? There. That I'm not sure. And you that's want to one know of the that, that we would have to. You want to know that backwards and forwards, because okay. if you're in a situation where you're on the hook for somebody else's default, that would likely be too hot to handle. Second, you want to know what are your rights to sell? Um, You know, if you you go to sell, how hard is it for you to make a market in your five weeks? And if you can't find somebody who's really interested in it, are you in a position if it no longer becomes useful in your life to keep paying what you have to pay year after year after year? Okay. So I would really think through those two aspects, which make it a very different conversation than the timeshare thing. The one other aspect I would want you to know, who decides what the fees are going to be? Do the 20 of you together work like a condo board or is a third-party management company that has the power or a marketing company to set what the fees will be each year? If you as, as the 20 owners don't have control of what the expenses are going to be and what the um, bills are going to be, then you don't want to do it. So I hope that gives you enough to really think through because it's it's not evil like timeshares and it can be a good thing but you got to make sure that you're well protected by the contract you're listening to the clark howard show thanks for joining us today the clark howard show is produced by kim drobes joel larsgaard deborah reese and jim ayers and remember 24 hours a day we're there to serve you at clark.com and clarkdeals.com 